And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. You're on with Crystal Fleming, and today I am completely blown away by this book that's coming out by this author. I read as much about it as I could. I know it's on my pre-order list, so when it comes out, I will be totally buying it. So I cannot wait to discuss this with this author, find out where she got this awesome idea, and just learn as much as I can before all of it comes out and we you know, and I'm last to know as usual, because I normally am. So before we get into that, um, you know the routine, listeners. We've got a little advert by Marianne Curley, and it's book four of the Guardian Time Guardian series, and it's called The Shadow. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge and fullify the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love. And that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectations, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and, uh, and the order battle through the past and into an impossible future, darkness lurks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe? Who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder to all those listeners out there, The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Rao uh, is going to have all its royalties donated to the UK, uh, Ukraine crisis, um, the refugee fund, and I believe her agent is also donating her commission um, to the same fund. So it's a really good uh, thing that she's doing, and I really hope you guys go and check out her Roman British crime series. And um, yeah, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be for a good cause. Let's jump into our essentially mind blowing guest. Oh, just I can't be. I've been waiting for this all day, and I've been so excited. So let's bring on Jessica Dodge. Hello, how is everybody today? <laughs> so. I mean, this this is the fun of being uh, a podcast that's pre-recorded and released. We get to share all the juicy details yes. between ourselves, and then the listeners find out later. So for once in my life, I'm not actually the last person to know things, which is very, <laughs> very, very unusual for Crystal. Um, <laughs> even my best friend, like, she'll find out about something, and then she'll be like, didn't you hear about this already? And I'll be like, no, you were supposed <laughs> to tell me. Oh, well, I've told you now, and I'm like the last person in the list. So yeah, that kind of tells you. I, ha- I have that um, that sad piece of work. I just admire the fact that you've done 15 in the- years in the art industry. Yes. I, I um, gobsmacked. I-, I love that. Yeah, I, um, I'm an artist, and, you- and, and that's what I do for my day job. So I was, you know... I do most of my work from yeah. home anyways, but during the pandemic, I obviously had a lot more time on my hands because we weren't going and doing things. So I ended up deciding to write a book and trying my hand at a different form of art. 
Yeah, and here's that. That's the great thing about the pandemic. It really has gotten, in a way, all of us out of our comfort zones and it kind of made us do things we wouldn't normally do. For I mean, sure. I hadn't knitted, sewed, or done crafts since I was a kid because uh, my, my, my gran was a professional knitter and she was very much into textile and all that kind of stuff. And funnily enough, pandemic hat, me and my mom, we started sewing and quilting and we just sort of fell right back into it. It was like a, an old hat for us and it was really awesome. So I love meeting fellow crafters and artists who kind of share that. That I would say it's like a draw for me. I wouldn't say a passion. I just get drawn to it constantly. Yeah. Um, it's my de-stressing mechanism for writing. Um, so yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you stay on a homestead. That's, that I was do. just wow for me. Yeah, we live on 10 acres in Vermont. That's a dream of mine. I, I would love to have that. Yeah, we um we have 10 acres oh, here in Vermont in, in so the forest. Pretty. And it's uh it's great. We homeschool our kids here. Um we have a I have an actual writing studio um that's an old 1968 Airstream that I converted uh that sits on our property but isn't near our home. Wow. It's on the 10 acres. So I have a nice little private spot that I can go and get away and I need like complete quiet to write. Like I can't write if, if there's any noise at all around me, it just throws me off. So I have to have that space, like that quiet space. Yeah. I've, I've met quite a few writers. I had a, a beautiful writer called Debbie Carr on from Jersey and she's the same. She's got a little uh, Wendy house kind of thing, like a little wooden house that she's got in her garden with um, some power to it just so that she's got a light switch and that's where she writes because she has to be away from all the noise and the and the lifestyle um, and her dogs too and she's you know that that I admire because I've never had that opportunity to have that peace and quiet because I grew up writing in hospital wards and my flat with my my shared partner so it was always noisy and busy so I had to rely on the the music to kind of shove everything out and so that I can close out the world and just focus on what I'm writing so that it's lovely to hear that somebody is like ah, I had to have a place and I made a place because if I did that with my husband I think I think I would get rehomed very fast <laughs> he, you know I don't think he would give me a private space to just go and be be me unfortunately but no I love that so can you tell us like about the forgotten witch and then tell us about what led you to writing it and what was the inspiration behind it so uh <laughs> it's kind of a funny story uh when the pandemic started my husband started working from home um his job was able to he's a network engineer so he was easily able to work from home on his computer and we decided to open an etsy shop um our kids our youngest daughter was She's very, very much into Harry Potter at the time. And so we started making these really fun little Harry oh. Potter spell boxes. And somebody's like, you guys should sell those. Those are so cool. And so we decided to open an Etsy store and start selling them. And it turned into, um, a, we started doing a bunch of pagan um, and Wiccan spell boxes um because we had people asking for them and so we're like okay uh we sure we'll start researching it and so yeah, i ended up buying 
pretty much a library of books and researching and reading and doing all sorts of stuff into this specific kind of a a religion, to be honest. Um, And it just totally, I was just totally thrown by how beautiful it was and how I just loved everything that came with this nature, um, you know, letting nature just take over and like help heal you in a way, Um, especially with everything that had been going on with the pandemic and, you know, people being so sick and it just was such a, like an eye-opening thing. Um, And then I also started doing a lot of uh, listening to tons and tons and tons of audiobooks uh, while I painted. And I got into Paula Braxton and I absolutely loved her books. Like ah. she, I, I listened to almost every single one of her books in a matter of like five months. <laughs> I just was so obsessed with them. And yeah, um, that happens. Yep. You start with one and you just yeah. fall into the hole. Yep. Yeah. And um, I was just, when I read her last book, I was like, Oh God, like, what am I going to do now? And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try writing my own. Like, I really think that probably with the knowledge that I know now, I might be able to write a witchy book. And so I started researching. Um, I, I'm a huge Scotland enthusiast. I was in a bagpipe band and I played the tenor drum and um, I just love anything that has to do with Scotland and my heritage is from there. And so I started doing a lot of research into the witch trials and I came up with this idea for a book um, based on some historical uh, figures and I just started writing it. And I'm a pantser. I'm not somebody who writes my plots down. I just kind of go with the flow, <laughs> sort of like I do with my art. And um, it just kind of flowed through me. And I was able to write the whole thing within six months. That's amazing. And I mean, if you can get a book to just flow, that's the ultimate trick. Yeah. You know, a lot of us plotters, we we plot because we will run into a wall eventually. (laughs) At least that's been my case. So that's why we have boxes we can tick off so that we know when we hit a wall, where we fit the wall and why. Um, but I love that what you've said about that. And it's so funny you're talking about Scotland because I'm actually in Scotland right now. Woo! <laughs> um, I stay in Stirling. So I'm just down the road from Stirling Castle. Nice. Which always surprises my guests. They're like, really? Because you don't have a Scottish accent. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I can so hear I would say just down the, the road from Stirling Castle. But I came from Shetland, which was one of the what they called sanctuary places. Mm-hmm. So. We were a place that took in uh, women that were on the run from the witch trials, and witch trials were not taking place in Shetland, so it was yeah. a safe place, and it became almost because we were Vi- you know, we were Viking descendants. Viking culture was still there, and they were able to come up and practice. They were told that there was rules about certain things, and and you know, they were kind of made to understand the rules of the island, but. Once they did, it was it was really good and it was really, really um, interesting. And what a lot of people don't know, and this is just the way because history is written by the victors and not by everybody. Yeah. But what they don't know is that a lot of the witch trials was really being pushed by the English, the you know, the royals and the churches yes. and the court because yeah. they wanted total control over Scotland and they needed a way to oppress the people of Scotland into sort of doing exactly what they wanted 
and what they needed them to do and to stop fighting them, yeah. which was the main thing. They wanted Scotland to stop fighting for independence and stop yeah. fighting to, to break free. So they used the witch trials as a, a tool to do that. And um, a lot of people do kind of connect to that. And, you know, because Scotland's been under, um, we're still not free. As far as we're all concerned, we're still not free. We're still yeah. under, under the English rule and under the English thumb. Um, and that's why independence is so important to us. But yeah, it's really awesome. And it's, I am excited to find out what part of Scotland you are connected into. So Oban is the area. And Oban is where Oban. the... Oban. Yeah, ah. so now it takes place. Um, the story takes place there. Um, yeah, so um, to be quite honest, it, I had so many crazy little things that happened when I decided that I wanted to write this book. I just almost like the universe coming in and saying, do it, like do this book. I had bought, um, I had booked, yeah. bought a book called scotland folklore off of um somebody on ebay and it was a book that like you just couldn't find it anywhere anymore and it had specifically to do with the area that i was writing about and so it took me a really long time to find a book um in that area of the highlands that had all the information that i needed and i when i bought when i got the book and i opened it up it was published on my birthday so, which I thought oh, was wow, yeah, I thought that was really that interesting. That is a sign and a half, I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, and so I was just like, wow, that's yeah. crazy. And then the, the one of the other things that was really interesting is after that, I said, I, I'm a person that like because I'm an artist, I think this I have to have a lot of uh, visuals around me when I'm writing. So one of the things that I did was yeah. I went on, um, I went on Etsy and I looked for something that I could have either on me or in my hand while I was writing. And I found, uh, and what I did was I typed in um, Oban on uh, the search query and a bunch of stuff came up and there was a piece of sea glass fashioned into a necklace. And I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to buy this. And so it came in the mail and I hadn't even noticed when I bought it that it was the exact shape of the state of Vermont, which is where I live. And it was green. And that's the, our, our, where the Green oh, Mountain State. Cool. And it wasn't until my husband said, he was like, oh my yeah. God. He's like, that is so cool. Where did you get that? And I, I explained it. He's like, that is very strange. He's like, this is exactly the shape of the state. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, you're right. And I was like, that is just another sign. And it just kept happening over and over again. I had things where I'd buy um, either another, I bought another research book. I flipped it open, looked at, looked and started reading through it. It had been published in January, 1982, which is my birth month on my birth year. And I just had so many things like that. And I was just like, this is a sign from the universe that this book needs to be written. (laughs) So it really drove me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that and I just um, you know it's it's crazy how you can you can get these little signs and stuff, and I really think that they're it's important not to look past those things. It is. You're very right, and I think Scotland is so magical. I think it gets everywhere. So uh, if you ever get a chance to come over, you should visit Loch Ness because the the power and the magic is literally electrifying in the air. You can feel it. 
like as if you could almost reach out and touch it yeah and the stories are so alive there and if you ever get a chance to go to Shetland during the summer don't go in the winter the winter's awful but if you go in the <laughs> summer there's the northern lights I don't know if you've you've ever get them in Ravant, but we've got northern lights that go across the sky yep and the sun doesn't set at all not one hour is it down and away wow. it is light morning and night that's crazy from may through to september it is a sight to be seen wow and it is again shetland is so magical because you know you've got the viking settlements that are still there towns that are still there we've got the mystery of why did an entire village of vikings disappear and leave everything exactly where they left it yeah like you're talking about meals that were still set out animals in their stalls and all they found was a couple buried, but no sign of any of the other inhabitants. Wow. That's Isn't a story that, that needs that to be spooky. written right there. <laughs> if I had the talent, I would do it. But it's not one that I think I could take on quite successfully. But it's like everywhere you go in Scotland, it's it's so amazing you really get sucked into it and kids who are needing exposed to culture and arch- some of the best architecture in the world is right here in scotland we have yeah. buildings literally built out of the ocean that's crazy. from the ocean floor um that's in shetland and you can actually stay in the hotel and when you're sleeping you can actually hear the waves lapping up against the wall sounds magical and it's so calming to hear that it is. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend it because I always say to, you know, if you've got teenagers, particularly teenagers, and you want them to actually be excited about art galleries and museums and stuff like that, um, I'll, you know, always take them to Scotland because they usually see all other teenagers who are excited to be in these places. And not only that, the just the magic of everything gets them so excited. And it's really great for people with sort of really high creative levels yeah so i'll do a swap you know i'll come to vermont and you can you come to scotland we'll sounds good switch. <laughs> sounds good yeah because it's, it's funnily enough where your state is on my list of places to go um because i've done los angeles and i've done philadelphia i didn't like philadelphia yeah but i loved los angeles i've got a lot of friends there um and I, I started writing through wrestling, so a lot of my friends are wrestlers. Um, so, yeah, Vermont is like the state they've all talked about. It's their favorite state to wrestle in because it's yeah. so beautiful and peaceful. It is. And their lives are so hectic and crazy. It gives them a chance to just oh, chill and regain their minds and just relax. So, yeah. That is something um, that we do very well. Into it. They have talked <laughs> me into it. Yeah, and I heard some of the best skiing is beside you too, so I would be interested in that. My husband might have a heart attack, <laughs> but I'm actually quite interested in that because I'm clumsy. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot to be said about a clumsy wife. Um, <laughs> I'm giving way too much away about myself there. Oh well. Um, so I have to kind of almost ask. What is your dreams for this book? Is there like, do you have a set dream that you just picture in your mind when you see it coming out and readers getting it? 
you know, I mean, I just, I just hope everybody loves it <laughs> as much as I do. I really, really love the story. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I hope that people like it enough that they want to buy book two because I'm in the process of starting to write that now. And I just, the story, even though I wrap I like up the, the sound of that. Yeah. You're hooking me on this. Yeah. I, I wrapped up the story pretty well on book one, but there is definitely a piece that needs to be told for book two. So I think that, you know, my my biggest hopes for this book is I'm that people are going to yeah. want to read book two. <laughs> it is a weird question to ask a lot of people because um, we as authors were always asked, what's next? I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but everybody's like, okay, so you've done this. What are you going to do next? What, what was the next thing? Was it, and you, you honestly get a barrage of what, you know, because it's always moving forward, moving forward, moving kind of forward. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I signed up for your, um, your mailing list. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really want, I really want to read the book. And I'm actually going to do, um, this is something I've been holding back to tell you actually, is I'm going to be doing a spotlight uh, episode on it. Awesome. Um, and it'll be, be about 30 minutes talking about the book itself yeah. and about, you know, because we, we do that to try and promote new authors and mm -hmm. authors that are really kind of getting out there for the first time. Um, so, yeah, and I'll have to, it'll probably be uh, by this time, it'll be in October. Yep. That, that you're, uh, you'll have your, literally it'll be like two weeks or something between the interview and then I'll do the spotlight, which... Um, it's kind of how this is all working out because all the spotlights are starting in July because yep. I just spent two weeks in hospital. Oh, no. Oh. It oh. would have started this month if I hadn't had to spend in hospital. But, yeah, that's the joy of living with arthritis. And mm. funnily enough, that's how I got into writing was because my body decided to tell me, hey, no, you're not going to be a wrestler. You're going to sit on your backside and tell stories all day. <laughs> <laughs> At <laughs> Whether least you, you have want a backup. To so yeah, I yeah I always have a. That's the one thing that drives my husband nuts. I have backup plans upon backup plans, <laughs> um, and he's like, "What was wrong with just going with the flow crystal?" And I'm like, "No, I can't do that." <laughs> like, no. And it's funny because he's like this um, guy from Glasgow. He's from the East End. He's a he drives motorcycles. He drives buses. He's just totally not what you think an author would be like with right like he's totally different and i'm barely five foot two. Oh, i'm five and foot I two am too quite a fiery scottish woman but i can i hey short girls unite us, us smaller people are taking over the world <laughs> yeah true. i know like i highly i'm always the smallest person in the room so you have no idea how excited i am right now <laughs> or how happy i am sorry put my little smallness problem away that is something you will realize in Scotland. All of us are small, so all of us talk extra loud. <laughs> Mainly because, and this is actually a true story, I was talking quite quietly to my friend in a shoe store. And I sat down on the stool, and I had stopped talking because I was listening to her. And this woman sat on me, because she oh. didn't see me. Oh my god. <laughs> and I mean, full on sat on me, <laughs> and started to take her shoes off. <laughs> and I'm like, I literally, I think I ended up screaming, excuse me. 
<laughs> so now I make sure I'm extra loud so people don't just randomly sit on me. Um, but yeah, it's a thing in Scotland. So us, uh, us smaller women tend to, and we're more sought after too. Yeah, the guys yeah. over here they like they like their little women as they call us. <laughs> the, you know, the pity women. They like to be able to because what's it? I get I get called pocket sized. Oh yes, I've heard that for my for my partner because he's six foot two, so he reckons I'd fit in his pocket. And I'm like, my weird. husband is six four, yeah, so like it, I guess we like weird the tall guys. Sides. <laughs> we do like the tall. But it's nothing worse. By the way, I have kissed a guy shorter than me. Okay, it was weird. And I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was like, because he kissed me on the train. And then I'm like, wait, do I kiss this guy back? Because like, it was real random. He just walked up, both hands on the side of my face and just stalked me. And I was like, okay. I'm like 17 years old, completely bright eyed, like student trainee midwife. And, uh, I, just, I didn't know what to do, so I went on a date with the guy, and I accidentally uh, lost him in a supermarket because I managed to knock him into a freezer and didn't realize. <sighs> so now I refused, I, and after that, I refused to date anybody that was shorter than me. So <laughs> when Ian came along at six foot two, he was perfect, and uh, yeah, we we dated less than a week, and we moved in together. Wow! I left Shetland. I left everything behind and I moved to Glasgow and we've been together every pretty much every day um for 14 years wow it's crazy pretty amazing so yeah I'm a I'm a big person of science and romance so um yeah my husband says I'm too mushy for for uh, for anybody he's like thank god you're doing a podcast so I don't have to listen to your mushiness <laughs> gotta love you gotta love men sometimes so i've gotta ask because you've been reading so much what have you read recently that's really stuck with you i've read so much in the last couple of uh, months um i think um one of my you gotta pick one book yeah book and one character i think the one that probably um stood out to me the most was and, and this is not in the genre that I usually like to read either. Like I really like fantasy, like magic kind of, you know, books like the Rune series and stuff like that. But this was recommended um, by a yeah. friend of mine, and I I took it on and I I read it and I really really loved it. It is a history of wild places, um, and I can't remember the author's name. Oh, I'm spacing on it. But I've heard of that. It's a it's an excellent book, and I really liked it. It was um it was like I said, it was a little bit of a different. It wasn't like a magical genre or anything like that. Um, it was fiction, but it was a it was a fantastic book, and I really loved the way that it was written. Um, it kept me guessing right up until the very end, and it was just it was just a really good book. I mean. Uh, if I had to choose a book in the realm that I normally read, uh, I would probably say uh, A Stitch in Time by Kelly Armstrong, I believe is who wrote that. Ooh. I really, really like that book. That was a really good one. In that. Yeah, I know her. I like, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. yeah and I really like that. you tried that her book. other series? Uh, no, I haven't. I've read through that whole series, um, but I was just, start- I just got into her because I just read that 
like a month ago, I think, the la- those first two books. And I really liked them. I thought they were excellent, oh, um, excellent books. Trust me. Try Bitten. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, is all I'm going to say. Because bit- Bitten leads into Stolen, and Stolen is what they call a quadra book. Yeah. So we've got demons, vampires, werewolves, witches... And a kind of really crazy sci- like scientist in book two. Yeah. But that series is kind of long, but it's really amazing. And I love how the witches take over the series from the werewolves. <laughs> so it, it's really good. I'm only on book, I'm about to start book three. Um, but it's also a TV series on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I've seen um, I've seen that, I think, uh, previewed before. See, I really like long series because I go through lots and lots of books Um like while I paint because I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. So uh, having a good long series is good for me. Yeah. Have you tried Shirley Cannon? She has some uh, most amazing fantasy novels. And you talk about a long series. She's just hit 30 books. Oh, my God. That's a long series. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't actually read her yet. That I will have to put that down. So on you'll my never to be run read out list. of ones with her. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, when it comes to long series, I'm your girl. Okay. I, I, I'll I make sure all, to come back Because I have ask. a tendency to, to pick up the series that are really long. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I, I discovered um, Shirley Cannon 14 years, yeah, 14 years ago. And I've been reading her pretty much ever since then. And then I also found Christine Freeham, mm-hmm. slightly scarier writer. Um, the vampires are slightly darker, but yep. again, really long series, and it really does keep you on the edge of your toes. That's a really good one. And the other one that I've just, um, I'm just about to finish it, and it's another long series. It's called Throne of Glass. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen those. And I, that I've seen that book. Was an incredible experience. Oh, yeah. I yeah, have. Um, I just was actually well, looking like at a, a really review. Long series. I was just looking at a review for that. Uh, like, I think well, we'll the other day. We'll have to get you in that series. Yeah, you'll have to tell me what your thoughts. I'm actually a really big horror fan too. I really like horror. I'm. I really love Stephen King. I love his son uh, Joel Hill's books. He has one of my favorite books is Nesferatu that he wrote. I love that book. Oh, yeah, that's such a good one. <laughs> I tend to like those in the fall. Are I really get to, into um, the fall like scary. Do you want to? Yeah, I'm the same, funnily enough, actually. Um, for Good Harder, actually, there's a an author here in Scotland. I am too terrified to read him because I'm a bit of a wuss. Um, <laughs> but his name is Ian Banks. That guy can write horror. He he literally rivals Stephen King. Really? And Because my, my husband, he loves horror. Yeah. Yeah, and... My husband cannot read a book if it's not going to, like, get him gripped yeah. into, like, the depths of it really quickly. Yeah. But he reads Ian Banks, and he just falls in love with every story that he reads from him. So if I ever can find uh, an Ian Banks he hasn't read, I totally, like, yes, got to get it to him. <laughs> because my husband, unfortunately, shares the same name as James Bond, ah. his writer, which is Ian Fleming. Yeah. So bless him when he introduces himself to people now, he's super nervous because he's always like, Are they gonna realize that my name's the same as like Bond? Because he always gets <laughs> Bond jokes. And I bet. The, 
but now people have realised he's the same as Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, so he gets a lot of the like the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang songs <laughs> sung at him as well. I love that movie. That was one of my favourite movies. Crazy, when I was little. crazy. But it, it's weird. Yeah, um, I had no, I didn't put it together until recently. And this little girl was like, started singing the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang song because <laughs> she put it together, and I'm like, wait, am I? dense that I didn't put that together <laughs> I've been with him for like 13 years or something and I'm like okay Crystal needs a holiday or something there's a wire loose here <laughs> um, so yeah you probably will get a lot of book uh, recommendations because that's just kind of how the show tends to work um, but it's good because we're all like we're all authors sharing yeah. our own like tastes and thoughts and stuff especially with the listeners so it's really good and I'll probably like recommend yours to like 50 or 60 people after this because that's kind of we pass it on it's kind of a really uh cool way of doing things yeah so i know you being a mom and an, an artist full-time means you have no time for yourself <laughs> but yeah. if you had time to just sit and read a book and really enjoy it and it can be a series or an author but you can only have one you can only have like an author or a series okay and you got to pick one and you got to tell us why you picked that. Okay. So this one's slightly a, a harder question for, uh, I always say for the reader side of us. <laughs> you know, I think that it would, I think that it would be Paula Braxton still, even though I've read all of her books, I have, I would love to read them all again. Like I just love them so much. Um, the Silver Witch was by far my favorite out of hers, which I think is strange because it doesn't seem to be the standout one of her books that most people like, but I just really connected with that book and I loved it. I think I've actually read that book three times now, <laughs> um, but I don't think I could ever tire of it. It's just one of those books that I just absolutely adore. And every time I read it, I pick up something different and I, it, you know, hits a different spot for me. Um, but yeah, and I really loved her, um, her, all of her books. So I think that I would probably just, I would love to just sit down and reread them all. <laughs> well, that's a really good answer. Cause like, if you find somebody that you love, um, that can do that for you, that's, that's what true pleasure of being a reader and a book lover is. And I, I mean, I've been in parts of like, I've got book boxes. I, I get fairy loot, which is a, a fantasy young adult slash adult yeah. um, book every month. And it's got swag in it and it's got, you know, all this cool stuff. But I still have a tendency to go back to the people that I know really well and I love and I love to read. Um, so like Rachel Kane's Morgan, Morganville Vampire series is one of my favorites. So I'll go back because to me, an idea of a vampire who loves physics and wears <laughs> fluffy bunny, you know, slippers that are actually fluffy bunny vampire slippers <laughs> to me just seems cool. And like the idea that he can't live without these slippers is just like extra amazing. Um, but she also gives him sort of mental health issues too. So you kind of almost never know how, what he's going to be like when this yeah. poor girl goes in. Um, and that's a great series. It's quite long too, that one. Um, that's over, I think, 12 or 13 books. So wow, that's a good size. It's a, it's, it's a really awesome one. And that's one you can actually give your teenage daughter too because yeah. it's, it's YA and it, it's actual YA, not fake YA. 
Yeah. Topic I feel I've had to discuss <laughs> earlier this week. So this is going to be a bit of a hard. <laughs> this is going to be a bit of a harder question. Is there an author, past and present, who's a inspired you to read, and b influenced your reading? And then the sort of D and C of this is um, who influenced you to start reading, and who inspires your reading. Well, I mean, I'm probably going to fall back on the Paula Braxton thing again. I know I have to set her much, but she definitely was my. That's ins- okay. It was she was Bye. definitely my inspiration in reading. Um, uh, I got into her books and um the first book that i actually read of hers was a newer book which was the shop of found things and that is a that's a series that's it's really good and i loved it um and then after i finished that i was like okay what am i gonna read next you know and then i I went into other stuff and um of course you know that led me into a barrage of other um other authors because when you read through or you listen on audible they give you recommendations on other authors that are in similar genres and things like that so i ended up reading a lot from just her books um of other other authors um and you know she really inspired she really inspired my writing too um and she's actually recently come out with a book that she wrote with her brother and um the witch's night which is excellent and i'm in the midst of reading that right now i'm almost done it and i just i i love it and i think they make a, an excellent writing team um they this is going to be a series too it sounds like it's going to be a trilogy so um i'm looking forward to reading the next two that come out in that and that's actually a bigger book than um it's a little bit of a thicker book than she's used to writing so um it was her brother from, I I believe it was her brother's idea uh, to start this and she helped, they developed it together and then she was like, okay, this is going to be way too big for one book and we're going to have to do a trilogy, so, um, which I always love when you hear that yeah. somebody has oh, decided. that always happens. Yeah. It always happens. So that makes me happy. I like to, uh, I like it when I, I mean, find somebody that I love and they decide to just keep on going. <laughs> Unfortunately, that seems to be my thing. Like, I'm a series writer. I can't do a standalone. I've never yeah. been able to do a standalone. Um, in fact, the secret surprise, because um, you're actually going to be my 23rd guest mm. of the show, I'm actually going to send you one of my books that's not been published yet. No one's read it except my editor. So you're going to get to read a Scottish is Celtic Scottish myths, but they come to Reading, California. Oh, so it's a bit of like America's sort of smacking into Scotland and Scotland's power. There's a little bit of Welsh witches in there as well. Love, um, so this I'm sounds gonna good. Let, I'm going oh, to send so that excited. over to you today, and you can have a sneak read. Awesome. Yeah, because I mean, I like sharing it because if you share your work, it helps to sort of. Sp- I would say it, it widens everyone's opinions and mm. views, and it can help really make this author world more inclusive. Yes. And, and at least that's what a lot of me and the other bestsellers are trying to do, is make this a very inclusive world and just allow everyone to have a voice and their voice to be heard. So, um, yeah. So I thought that would be kind of cool to yes. like, talk about Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, can, so can I ask you a question? <laughs> Can we flip so, the Can we flip the table for one second? Oh yeah, of course. This is a conversation, <laughs> not an interview. Okay, so yeah, um, you can go for it now. 
let me ask you a question. I know you said that this is a year. Does the book take place in California? Is that where the book is taking place, your book? Yeah. Okay. So now do you find yep, that- it takes place in Redding, California. Okay. So do you find that you being uh, a writer, you like to write about places that you want to either be or places that you want to travel to? Like, is that, do you find that that's something that kind of helps you? Um, like, I feel like I almost- The as- earliest part of my career, I actually wrote 90% of my work from places I lived because okay. I've traveled yep. a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a gypsy. I never stay in one place for very long. Yep. I tend to ups. I always say it, my, my hobby, we've got to move somewhere else because <laughs> I need to experience life everywhere. Yeah. Um, he hates it. Trust me. We're like on like the 20th home or something. And he's like, girl, you need to get roots. <laughs> like driving me beyond that. So I love to write and I've dragged him to the States. Bless him. I actually was his translator in the States, which is hugely funny. <sighs> and we went up to California and I spent time with um, my friend who lives in Reading. But I never got to Reading because I only had a week. So I was a week in Los Angeles. You can do like, you can spend your entire life in Los Angeles and never do everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was like telling me all about Reading and he was telling me all about this amazing stuff. And I fell in love with Reading. And Reading is a place that I would probably spend quite a number of months living. Yeah. I think if I continue my gypsy lifestyle. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think because I kind of lived that area through him. Yeah. And it was the same. I had a lot of friends who lived in Chicago and who lived in the north, kind of more into Canada. And my actual co-author is from Canada. Yeah. So he wrote a lot of that side of things. And then I wrote the Scottish side. And it was a really good mix. So when I came to write um, The Orchid Guild, it's kind of funny. I wrote it in ICU, yep. which a lot of people don't realize because yeah. I got sepsis in my jaw last year. Oh, God. And they had to take my jaw joints out. And they kept me in. I was in and out of the hospital for six months. I went from 56 kilos to 32 kilos. Oh, my gosh. Six months. Um. And then I woke up in ICU. Yeah, it was scary. It was really scary, yeah. actually. Woke up in ICU yeah. and I'm like, I got to write. Like, I had no energy. I was probably a lot paler than I am now. <sighs> and I just dove in and I started writing it. Um, I'd been plotting it for years. Yeah. But I had never gotten that urge to just write it. But the idea of what Susie goes through and the story and the pain, I needed to actually be in pain. To yeah. get across that pain and that that passion um, into the novel, yeah, and uh, yeah, it came out within about Jesus. Uh, I wrote it in three weeks because I didn't sleep for three weeks. Wow. Normally, a novel will take me six to nine months, but I wrote it in three weeks because I didn't sleep for wow. three weeks. I was like, <laughs> um, yeah, the drugs they give you for for dealing with sepsis is not pleasant. Yeah. Um, so I was a bit like a zombie. I was just like wide awake all the time. And the nurses used to tease me. They're like, wait, are you not burnt the computer out yet? Because they would come through and I would still be typing away. And I actually started, I have no letters now. When I look at my keyboard, I can't actually make out what all the letters are because I wrote them off. <laughs> you got to get those little stickers. writing so much. Um, is that bad? My husband's, yeah, like I'm going to have to get stickers. And my husband started looking at it and he's like, we might need to replace that computer soon, Crystal. I've gone through 11 laptops because I am not lucky with electronics. <laughs> so this one, Touchwood, has lasted a really long time and it has to keep going. 
um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love it. And uh, I've written all kinds of books. I've written Carla, which I think you would adore. It's set in Shetland. Yeah. And it surrounds the myth of the Vikings, the yeah. Viking mythology. So Carla is actually an immortal who dies, um, is badly betrayed, and she dies, and she comes back to life. And she's no longer this teenage book reviewer on YouTube. She's got to live this entirely different life. She's got to learn how to fight with swords, and she's got to protect herself because she's part of a prophecy. And if she dies, she could let all these evil Norse gods out onto the world. And she has to learn to love again because this guy breaks her heart in so many different ways. And the cruel part is the guy that actually betrays her to make her immortal, that's his first love and he can't let go of her. So he has a little bit of a stalking issue, <laughs> but it's a really kind of fun. Um, there's a lot of jokes in there too because I I couldn't help myself. I'm a bit sarcastic joker. It sounds um, awesome. And my husband doesn't normally read anything I write, but he, yeah, and he read it. And he's like, you could have done without the first 125 pages. Because he didn't like the young girl coming of age story yeah. part. He hated that part. He's like, I like the Norse gods. They're funny. That was the only thing that entertained him. Um, so he was like, can I can I just read the Norse god parts and just like forget about this this girl? Um, to- total guy response, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend it because it's 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 a very different mythology kind of feel to it, and it's got different kind of magic. It's it's more Viking magic than it is uh, what they would call pagan magic. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a bit different, and Vikings usually get painted as the bad guys, so it's always good to have a different perspective. Yeah, for sure. So when you go to bookstores, whether it's online or in person. What genre would you say you're drawn to the most? Like, where would you go instantly? Uh, yeah, that's a hard one. Um, I think mythology and folklore. I really, really... Yeah, maybe we should award you before the podcast. It's not easy questions. Yeah. No, I really think that I would probably be over in, you know, I really love mythology and folklore. I have so many books, just tons and tons on that subject. Um, for, I I tend to really like to read those physical books. Like if I'm going to read a physical book, I love anything like that. Like that is definitely my go-to. Um, uh, same with any sort of, uh, book. Like I love looking at spell books and things like that. I'm really visual. I love visual, visual stuff. So that's, um, that's definitely where I would probably be found at a bookstore. (laughs) In the spiritual. So here's a harder question. This is the hardest question I ask every reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has there ever been a book that you've picked up and asked yourself, what on earth was I thinking? Why am I reading this? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. um, I have, I've read a couple. I, I tend to, if I don't like a book, I tend to put it down and not pick it back up. Um, and I always try to give it a its fair shake, you know, uh, getting at yeah. least five chapters to six chapters in uh, before I decide that I just don't like it. Um, I tend not to like books that are written in first person. I don't know what that is about me. Um, I just don't, I don't like being inside the character's head like that. So there's been some books that are, you know, I know a lot of people absolutely love that I just don't like because I don't like the first person point of view. Like I, I like descriptions and I like, 
uh, hearing yeah. from that narrator that's outside of the character. So uh, yeah, there's there's some books that have come out recently that I've I've you know I don't want to bash them, so I don't really want to say, but um, I've I've you know they were these big big books that were huge on like the New York bestsellers list and stuff, and I'm just like I I even read through one completely, and at the end I was just like what. <laughs> Like, I don't understand how this got so much hype. Like, I yeah, just, what was I thinking? Yeah, oh, why no, did I, I finish that. this? Like, and you know, it has. I think it has a lot to do with personal preference. I think that you are always going to have people who love your stuff, and yeah. you're always going to have people who hate your stuff. And I think that comes with anything in life. Like, in, uh, definitely from an artist per- perspective, there's always people that love my art, and there's always people who just do not like it, and it just doesn't resonate with them. And I think that's the same way it is with um, writing mm-hmm. too. I think that there are people who can really fall into what you write, yeah, and there's just is, people that just can't, you know. And that's personal preference. And I think that a lot of times, yeah. Us as human beings really need to step back before we leave a review, I think, on people's books. Um, like I said, even this one that I liked, uh, that I didn't like yeah, as that, much. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I would not give it a bad review because I, I would say three stars only because I'm not a big fan of first person. And that doesn't mean that this book isn't going to be absolutely loved by other people like that it obviously is it made the number one bestseller in the new york times but it's just not it just doesn't resonate with me because i don't like that you know and it's going to be like that with you know you no matter what you write you're never going to please everybody and i think that that's something that we you know as authors have to kind of exactly you know really not let our feelings get hurt when we have those bad reviews or those bad you know people who pick the book up and are just like i can't finish this because we've had that experience too as readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I'm more careful though. If it's like a book that I just couldn't finish, I'm very open and honest and say this, this is over my head or mm-hmm. this is something that I yeah. just, I have no understanding of. I just, I hate the ones that said, don't read it. Uh, I couldn't read it or, you know, didn't finish and no explanation as to why. I think yeah. those reviews actually really kind of like take the confidence out of the author. And I I kind of almost feel bad. I've had a few of those and yeah. I know a lot of my friends have had them. And it really kind of makes you wonder like, what did I do so wrong to offend you that, you know, you just threw the book down and it's like, oh, no. You know, but then it might have been somebody who kind of goes over all that when you're trying to think. Yeah. And then, you know, but you've got to remember, too, that this might be somebody who doesn't normally like fiction and they picked up a book that they, you know, maybe they're a romance reader and they just were like, oh, well, this seems like it has some sort of like romantic Mm -hmm. essence to it. And then they pick it up and it's a fantasy novel that has a little bit of a backstory of love in it, but it's not a romance novel. So therefore, they're not going to like it. You know, I mean, there I think that that is definitely what happens. I I didn't know marketing too which was a bit of a yeah mm-hmm. marketing got me down yeah because I at the time when I when I first released Carla I didn't understand it um, so I just targeted my original readers yeah and unfortunately my original readers were all diehard romance fans yeah so I did suffer quite a bit with Carla and I feel kind of sorry for the book because the book didn't really get a good shake 
because I didn't know how to get it into that audience. Have you ever thought about re? So I kind of, yeah, I kind of feel for it. Yeah. Have you ever thought about rebranding it? Um, I know I've seen this happen a lot where uh, an author switches a genre in a way and their, their first book in that switch is a bomb because of exactly what you say. And then I've, I've heard that it's a really good idea to take that book back, recover it, give it a new cover, and re-release it. Because if you do that, then you will start picking up the people who would like yeah. those things. I, I have actually thought about it. Um, I left the publisher kind of not that long ago because they it was a YA and they kind of put a non-YA cover on it they put yeah. an adult cover on it oh which yeah I I didn't feel comfortable with I think I think it was a very missile um so I left and I haven't actually re-released it mm-hmm. um, but it is like a book that I'm sort of sitting on and I'm thinking at some point I'll just re-release it because it's a very Hollywood apparently it's a very Hollywood style of writing yeah. that I've never done before so I'm kind of aware of that, and I think I will continue that series on, because me and my co-author we plotted out uh, 32 books for that series. Yep. So we have to kind of find the right groove in order to keep it going. And um, so when book one bombed, we kind of said, "Well, we'll take a few steps back and we'll really think about it, and then maybe we'll try again at a different date." But we just haven't gotten around to really kind of figuring out how we're going to move forward with it yeah and that's the thing about authors it's kind of like playing a game of chess you just kind of need to work out when you're going to make your move and and how you're going to do it yeah yeah it's 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 a tricky thing so let's go into your writing yeah Uh, so this is the part of the podcast where we talk about your writing and we talk about your the things that like connects you sort of very very new beginning writers out there into writing it gets them excited and helps them a bit along the way because many different perspectives kind of builds that world for them Mm -hmm. so when you came to write the sort of darker elements and the dangerous parts of your story how did you go about creating the story was it through music did you watch stuff were you just reading stuff and it came to you or did it just all come to you one go? Um, I guess it was a little bit of a couple different things. Um, one of them being that, you know, uh, researching and doing all the things that I was doing for that shop um, and diving so deeply into the rituals of witchcraft and, uh, you know, it sparked my interest and I, I then wanted to learn more about witchcraft in general and hit in the history of you know, the world really. And I started obviously researching the uh, Salem witch trials and I have a great ancestor that was part of that. Um, And so I looked through some of our history that we had from our family. And then I started, you know, diving into more of, you know, where this whole like witch hysteria had come from. And I realized that it had come over from, you know, Scotland. It actually had come from the Scottish witch trials. And I didn't really know much about them because we're not taught that in school. It's not, you know, we're taught the, you know, the witch trials in the United States, which is nothing compared to the witch trials in Scotland. Like, it's really surprising to me that they didn't go further into telling, talking more about this in school because, it's it's very sad like it is extremely sad that we did not know that here over here there was you know a handful of people that were executed where over there you had thousands and it's just insane that we 
don't know that. Like, as you know, people, it's not part of our culture. So we're not being taught that. So that really, um, that really got me, I got really into reading about it. And that was definitely part of my inspiration for the story was, you know, there's a story to be told, you know, and one of the, uh, one of my, my actual, my villain in the story is an actual woman. Her name was Margaret Aikens. And she, uh, she was a woman who actually, to try to save herself, uh, had three appointed out 300 other women to be hung. And she ended up being one of the biggest killers of women in this whole thing because she didn't want, yeah. she didn't want her, she didn't want to die. So she started, you know, Hey, I can tell what these, I can tell a witch by the mark in the mark in her eyes. And so they drag her around with them to all these different villages and she would just start pointing people out and they would be, you know, tried and executed. And this was, you know, in my mind, she is a villain in history. Like no matter what her person, even if, you know, you're trying to save yourself, being this person that is willing to sacrifice all these other people is, you know, obviously a villain in history. And so I chose her to be the villain in my story. Yeah. Condemning them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she was definitely, uh, you know, this whole, that whole, uh, historical events were what played a huge role in the writing of the book. I like that. And I like the fact that you really tied it into the history too. And I think that's a really kind of interesting way about going about it. So what inspired you? I mean, do you feel like fantasy was just in your blood that you had to tell it or did you feel like you were just drawn to fantasy and you were inspired to add your writing voice to that genre? Um, definitely drawn to fantasy. I've always loved anything fantastical, <laughs> even as a kid. Like I, I love the, just the thought of magic being real and out in the world just makes me giddy. Um, uh, you know, I do have a background in film. I went. I actually went to college to be a director. And I took many courses in screenwriting. So, um, and I'd written a couple of screenplays. And so my writing, when you read it, is definitely, I have a very kind of Hollywood way of writing too. Like I have lots of, I'm big into descriptions. Like I love describing a scene. Like that's my favorite part of writing. I love telling how things smelled and looked and felt. And like, I just really want to pull that reader right into the moment. So they feel like they're sitting in the middle of this movie um, playing out in their heads. Uh, So yeah, it definitely, um, definitely fiction and definitely was, uh, I think that me being, um, Having that background in film really helped with my writing. Uh, it's a totally different writing style, obviously. When you're writing a script, you're writing very basic, like, you know, you just quick description of the room, then it's pretty much all dialogue. So it's different, but it definitely helps. And uh, I know it well. Yeah. Too. So I, and I definitely like, um, I think I like writing novels better than scripts. <laughs> For sure, because um, I really like diving most into the details. Do. Yeah, so. most people do. I, I, I find it funny because I went from novels to, 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 well, I actually went from wrestling script writing, which is totally different from screenwriting, mm-hmm. and then I went into novels, and then I went into screenwriting. So I've kind of done the full circle um, 
as well. Yep. Um, wrestling writing is very diff- different. You've got bullet points on a piece of paper and then you have to go sell it verbally to somebody. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was incredible to see the differences in worlds. And I think that's why I did it was just so that I would experience the different different you know worlds and universes. Yeah. So when you put your your book together, is it well, I'm assuming it'll be like a movie, but is it like a movie for you or is it like a jigsaw puzzle um that you're you're putting together? How would you best describe it to um, to the writers out there? It definitely was like a movie to me. I it, you know, I had the scenes playing out in my head and I'd write them down. Um one of the things that I think helped me out a lot as being a first-time writer is I did not go back and rewrite anything. Um on my first go. I just kept writing and right. um I did one of the, my favorite absolute favorite tools that I cannot recommend enough is I got this uh, app called um, NeuroReader and it reads your what you've written back to you. And that was the only thing I did. So when I finished right. writing like five pages, I'd, I'd listen to it. I'd like listen to it, have it read back to me. And then I'd be like, did that make sense? Did that all flow well? And then if I felt like there was some real big problem, I'd fix it. But if it if it was just a lot of little things... I was like, I'll get that when I come back. And then I just kept on doing that all the way through until I finished the book. And then I used that same app um, to listen to the book all the way through. Um, and then I did it one more time. Each chapter, uh, I fixed all the grammatical mistakes, um, anything that seemed like it was either overwritten, underwritten, uh, needed a little bit of tweaking here and there. I did that. And I'm using it again right now with my editor. So I do my editing. Uh, I get my my edits back. I do my editing. I listen. I go back and fix anything that I hear that might be a mistake. And then I pass it back in. So, and I really think that that is an excellent way for a writer, new writers especially, to get a good grip on their flow. Because that's one of the biggest problems I think that that writers can have is that their flow gets messed up if they add something in that, you know, a description that's just a little too long and then it disrupts your flow. And then you're like, oh, well, that just took me out of the moment. Like I need to get rid of that. And like, you can hear that when you listen, like when you're listening to it versus reading it, it's different yeah, for sure. I mean, it's very good for dyslexic writers as well. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is dyslexic readers some like writers sometimes need to actually hear what they've written yeah. so that they can pick out the mistakes or their mistakes at least stick out to them in a more kind of obvious way yeah especially when it comes to flow and character development and stuff like that mm-hmm. um i get i get my word documentary back to me quite a lot um for that reason because i'm i'm listening to see if i can pick up something yeah. too so that's 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 actually really good yeah. Is there a character in your current book that you wish you could have written more about? Yes. Um, uh, so I have uh, different time periods throughout my book. Uh, there's four, four different time periods. And uh, the 1940s, there's two characters. Um, one is named Artemis and the other one is Elizabeth. And I really loved the story between the two. Um, it's not a love story between them. It's a mentor, uh, story. And 
that is actually going to be picked up in book two because I love that their dynamic so much that I just wanted to write more on it. So that is for sure 100% those two. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I decided that they they were the next characters to come into play and I wanted to do a lot more with them. So entering into your life. Now, this is the part that all the listeners get really excited about because I love to learn about our lives. I think it's like celebrity gossip, yeah. but almost for, for readers, if you get my draft, we're like the celebrities. And yeah, so it's like keeping up with the authors. I think they should call yeah. this part. But uh, yeah, this is our life portion. So what's the first thing you do when you want to de-stress from editing, writing, painting, when you just want to find you? for five minutes um I walk (laughs) uh so we uh we live really really rural like we are there's only like three houses around us for miles and miles we live out in the middle of the woods and uh on a dirt road that's like a one-lane dirt road and so what I do is I walk um up to a lake that's about 2.5 2.5 miles from our house and there's nobody that lives on this lake it's just a lake in the middle of the woods and I go and I sit there and I de-stress. It's my, it's my grounding place, I call it. And then I walk back. So it's about a five-mile walk altogether, but it's, it's what I need to get my – and it's what I need to get my head back into, like, reality a lot. And just getting that little bit of exercise and, you know, just being out in nature really, really does it for me. So what hobbies do you enjoy? And is there ones that you wish you could explore more of? Ah, yes. So I'm I'm like you. I dabble in almost everything artistic and artsy and craftsy. <laughs> um, I really, really want to learn how to um, do some weaving. That's like my big thing that I want to do right now. Um, so oh. yeah, um, it, for wall hangings because- Scotland's good for that. Yeah. And- definitely. I love, I love fiber arts. Like I love felting and crocheting and all that kind of stuff. So I, um, I got a little mini loom and it's something that I want to try doing this summer is trying my hand at making some maybe small wall hangings or something like that. But yeah, um, I really love anything, um, anything arts and crafts. I do lots of like refinishing of furniture and, you know, obviously painting and things like that. But I, I just like, and I'm huge into um, uh, retro antique stuff. Like I love going out and finding these little uh, garage sales that have, you know, things from like the 1950s and 60s in them. And I always buy them up and put them somewhere on a shelf at my house because I just think they're so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, to be honest, if I could, I would fill my house with antiques, but my husband... It's not a fan of Andy, so I don't I don't get to do that very often. So yeah. So we've you know, like I'm very crafty as you were saying. So is there other crafts that you would like to try? Or like have do you feel like you've experienced all that has this that is on offer for quilts, like or crafting and stuff like that? For like working with fabrics and things or like, have you, do you think you've explored this entire kind of creative process and, and you're looking to try something else in the crafting world? Or is there more that, it's kind of a weird world because I, I look on crafting as, 
you've got your painting, your diamond painting, your cross stitching, your quilting, your embroidery, um, and your fabrics. So for me, like I always wonder um, if other people kind of get into different kinds and want to explore different kinds. Um, so that's that's one of the ones I like asking about. Um, and it's weird that um, like I like asking about it because my grandmother was professional. I still actually cross stitch. It's my my go to to chill myself out and just calm my brain down and and uh, and get. Um, get things back to where they need to be um especially when I'm writing long periods of time and particularly if I'm in a high stress situation crafting and fabrics and material and stuff's my way to go um we have lost Jessica for a second I'm sure she will be back and uh we'll finish off with our final couple of questions but in the meantime um we can just remind everybody to sign up for the Jessica Dodge newsletter so that you can be um, notified of the release of The Forgotten Witch upon its uh, release date. Plus, uh, you can also get up-to-date information on her second novel as it's coming and when they're starting to do the promotion for that. And also, I, I believe you can actually win swag um, to do with the book. And those are always the best because, like, you have that kind of little thing that you can keep. Um, and I do love those. Um, they're so special kind of to, to have when you, when you know that... Um, that this book's coming out and is going to be part of a series and it gets you, I'd say it gets you more excited for it. Um, so yeah, so make sure that you do that. And, you know, there's, there's so much more that you can learn about this author by sort of looking at her art and her pictures. And you can, um, as she mentioned, she has an SD store. So you can look to see about spell boxes if you really want to get into the mood of this kind of story and this kind of book. And, um, yeah, so I think we've lost Jessica. So I will call an end to the podcast. And uh, I want to thank Jessica for coming. It's been a great pleasure. I, I think she's having some technical difficulties right now. But I will remind you all to check out The, the, the Forgotten Witch and uh, see where it takes us. Thank you all for coming to the Book and Life podcast. And uh, I can't wait to see you guys again next week where we will be talking to another guest. Um, of course, I've mixed up the, the guests, but we'll have Maya on. And uh, I'm sure she's going to have some incredible insights to writing and our, her life and um, different things. And uh, yeah, so I shall say goodbye for now. <laughs>